Hey there, welcome to the Love to Learn podcast. My name is Laura, I'll be your host. At Love to Learn, you can expect to hear from passionate educators who are dedicated to the art and craft of teaching. You'll hear from teachers in the trenches, instructional coaches, administrators, and innovators and experts in the field of education. Teaching is one of the most difficult and rewarding professions on the planet. It's my hope that through our shared stories, you'll come away inspired and refreshed because every day is a great day to learn something new. Hey there, welcome to today's Love to Learn podcast. I am super excited about the guest that I'm going to interview today. His name is Nate Steele. And Nate and I have known each other for a couple of years. We initially met when we were doing community theater together. And if I remember it correctly, I think the first show we did, I was costuming the show and Nate was in the cast. And so that is kind of how we got to know each other and just kind of became friends, hung out together sometimes, cast parties and whatnot. And I believe it was at one of those cast parties that Nate and I had a conversation about his interest in becoming a teacher. And so, um, Nate, I'm going to let you kind of go ahead and start us off by telling us about how you became interested in teaching as a career and kind of your path to get there. And then we'll go back to how I usually start an interview, but I kind of want you to tell that first part. So go ahead. Yeah, sure. Oh, it's a... It's an interesting story, I guess. Everyone has one. Um, so I always kind of wanted to be a teacher growing up. I don't really know why. I just liked the idea of teaching people and just I liked most of my teachers growing up. Um, so that was my plan right out of high school. So that was what I wanted to do. Um, and then, you know, college got in the way and I changed my major a couple of times because um, when I first I first got my gen eds at Metro, and then I uh, transferred to UNO, the University of Nebraska Omaha, and I tried their education program. And I don't know if it was just the class or what, but I I really didn't like it, and I I kind of gave up on on that dream. And then I remember that cast party that you mentioned, um, right? <laughs> because I was like, oh, I could be a teacher, but blah blah blah, and it's so much work <laughs> to go through the program. And you're like, no, Nate, you have to do this. It's your dream, and it's totally worth it in the end. Oh. And so you kind of gave me that little push to go back and try it out again, and I did. And now it's been awesome ever since then. Um, I guess I got a little uh, a little taste for teaching. The year after I graduated high school, I was still in my hometown, and so I was asked to help coach the high school debate team, and so I did that for about a year, and so that was like a taste of what it's like to educate people, and that was fun, so that's kind of a little bit of the background there. That is awesome. I really, really have a vivid memory of that conversation that we had, too, and I now that you... Um, kind of described it again. I remember the part where you were talking about how you thought the classes were such a drag. And I do remember just having this overwhelming 
urge to say, no, no, you're, you will be awesome. We need more teachers like you. So I'm really so thankful that we had that conversation because I know that you are going to be amazing. So I was really thrilled because I think it was a couple months after that, that I remember you sent me a Facebook message and told me that you were getting back into the teacher education program. And I was so, so stoked about it. So that makes me really happy. Um, I'm going to go ahead and skip to how I normally begin our interview, the interviews that I do for the podcast, just to get, get to know a little bit more about you and our listeners can get to know you better. I want you to tell us what I call the P's and Q's. So this is where you're going to tell us something about yourself personally, something about yourself professionally, and something that you are passionate about. And then following that, I will... The Q part is where I ask you some questions based on those responses. So go ahead. Oh, God. So I guess personally, that's that's an interesting question. Well, I mean, obviously, from our background story, you know that I love theater, but not everyone knows that I used to be terrified. I used to be so shy to do anything. Um, I, I never used to, to do karaoke or get up and sing. I didn't like to talk to strangers in the hallway at school. Um, so you can imagine how that's a weird transition to like community theater or something. And so I think I've come a long way since high school in that regard. Um, also, this kind of borders the personal slash professional. Um, as you know, I'm in the Army Reserve. So that's a weird dynamic between what that kind of experience has taught me and and teaching. Because for some reason in my mind, they don't they don't mesh very well. But I think it works. Um, uh, I guess also professionally, I, just as my plug here, I work at the Omaha Children's Museum, which is adorable, so. Oh, I had kind of forgotten that, and I want to get there and, and see what you do there. Can you describe just a little bit about your role there? Because it's kind of unique. You're not just standing at the front desk taking people's admission money. Can you explain no. what you do there? Sure. I am trained for all of the floor stuff, like front desk and stuff too. But my primary job there is as an educational programmer. And what that means is that I perform uh, like the science shows they do there. Um, and we do like fitness activities and um, like arts and crafts for those kids aged probably two to 10. And so I, it's kind of like miniature instructing in a way. Um, but the science shows I think are more of a performance. And I also do the outreach uh, programs that they do with like local elementary schools and churches and stuff where I go out to the school and do like a science show in front of like 200 kids. And so that's fun. Yeah, that's great. And I'm sure that you are great at it because I've seen you on stage and until you mentioned it just now, I really did not know that you had struggled with kind of that stage fright, nervous shyness. It doesn't show at all. So you definitely have, I, I guess, come a long way, like you said. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, when I first auditioned for that musical that you were talking about, I couldn't stop myself from shaking. Oh, and you are so great. Thank and you. I enjoy seeing you on stage every single time. So hopefully I'll get to have more of those experiences with you in the future. Um, maybe this is kind of a good segue. I, you kind of probably already alluded to it, but that last P that I like to ask people about is what they're passionate about. And that oh, could yeah. be more than one thing for you. So talk about that for a minute. Well, I think if you're talking to a, a teacher or a future teacher, what they're passionate about is almost always their, their subject area, right? 
And so um, I'm language arts, which means like literature and, and even theater. And so I really love to read and the, and the power that reading and writing can have over kids. I don't think that's explored enough in the classroom. So that's, uh, that's my passion is books. That is wonderful. And honestly, I kind of have this idea for a future podcast swimming around in my head. And it's very, very specific to those secondary age students and how to get them passionate about reading. And so sometime you and I will need to kind of talk about that off off microphone and possibly I may have you come back for a podcast talking about that specifically because I'm just really intrigued by that and how that can be nurtured in kids and and I love that you're really passionate about it so that's great definitely I've got ideas for sure good that is good so I I really mean it I would like to have you back sometime to talk about that specifically today however just to kind of introduce you to um my listeners. I do have a few of those. Hopefully we'll have more of them. I kind of really was looking forward to interviewing you, not only because I know you and you're going to be a fantastic teacher, I absolutely know that, but also just I think those of us that have been in education for a long time, it's really different now just even the way that you that teachers are trained, just the, the type of things that teachers are doing in the classroom, it's so different than when I went through teacher training, which was really a couple decades ago. So I wanna to talk to you a little bit more about your teacher training program and you're gonna be heading into student teaching next semester. So I, I wanna go ahead and get into that and we're gonna start that conversation by, I'd like for you to describe what is your ideal teaching job? What would be the ideal teaching position for you? This is something I have thought a lot about, and it's honestly a very complicated subject because on the one hand, um, um, like, I guess if you mean classroom-wise, I want to be able to teach the subject I care about. So I think I want to teach like literature and maybe like a creative writing class. And maybe on the side, I can help with like the drama department. I think that would be really, really cool. Um, but that's just content, like what I would like to teach. As far as um, the classroom itself, that gets a little bit more tricky because there's so many different things that go into finding your first school. Is the district good? Do they have good benefits? Do you like their curriculum that they teach? And then on the other hand, um, I always loved watching those inspirational teacher movies growing up and they really inspired me to like do that kind of thing myself. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Freedom Writers Diaries or anything like that. Um, I haven't, but I'll add it to my watch list for it's sure. It's a really great movie. Um, and so a part of me really wants to like work with um, disadvantaged kids uh, and kids that don't always have the same access to resources that other kids do. And so that's something I've thought about too. That's wonderful. Well, I can't wait to, to see where your career takes you. It'll be great to follow that journey with you. So the next thing that I kind of want you to talk about is I would like for you to describe some of the direct experiences that you've had so far in classrooms as part of your teacher training program. So you're going into student teaching next semester. I think that's correct, right? That is correct. And I graduate in May. That's exciting. Well, tell me a little bit, though, about some of the experiences that you've had in the Omaha metro area in classrooms up until now as part of your teacher training. Sure, do you want to t- do you want me to tell you about um, 
like situations and experiences I've had in classrooms in the field or do you want me to tell you about the teacher training program I'm in? Um, actually talk about the experiences in the field and then following that I do I my next question actually was to for you to to talk about your thoughts about how your teacher training program is preparing you for a career in the classroom and thoughts about that experience so knowing that those are kind of the two next things I wanted to discuss you can just hit on those however you want okay sure I think that they both tie in together really closely and so to explain it I think I'm going to talk about the program first and then the experiences I've had throughout that program. Sure, that makes sense. Okay, so to start with, it's definitely different than what you and a lot of other people experienced. And even even now today, um, a lot of schools still, you, you probably just had like one semester of student teaching or something like that, and that was like your first time ever in the classroom, right? Um. Kind of. I mean, we. I do remember having a few very short-term practicum experiences, and because I was a dual major, elementary and special ed, I actually did have a whole year of student teaching okay. because I had to do a whole elementary semester and a whole special ed semester. But I do think that programs get students in the classrooms a lot more than back when I went to school. They do, and not all of them still do that. Some of them you still don't get in the classroom until your last semester, but... Uh, yeah, UNO does a really good job getting you out there as soon as they can. Um, you know, in like your sophomore um, intro to education class, you are out there at least doing some observation. So that way you get a feel for whether or not this is really for you. So you don't waste three years of your life. And then you realize, oh, I don't actually want to be a teacher. And then from there, you enter your, your practicums, which... You start off with the first one, and each each semester of practicum uh, requires about 40 to 60 uh, field hours in the field, and wow. each semester focuses on um, a different aspect of teaching. So, for example, the first semester focuses on lesson planning and how to make a good lesson plan, and because you can't teach anything else until you have one. So then that was fun for me. It was really nervous getting in the classroom for the first time and getting in front of students to actually teach. And a trend I've noticed each semester is that it's really hard to to gain that mentor teacher's trust to let them allow you to take over their classroom, oh, right. um, yeah. even if it's just for a 10-minute lesson. Because as, as you well know yourself, those are their kids. Yeah, you know? yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so... That's always a challenge, but it always works out. Um, that's what I had to deal with there. Um, I experienced, I did have what you might consider to be a troubled kid that I had to work with. Um, he had a lot of energy, and oftentimes the teacher didn't want to um, take the time to deal with that. And so you know how that works. He goes, gets right. referrals, goes to the office, or... I was assigned to him. So that was fun and interesting, and I got to know him a little bit better. And He's actually what, the little brother to one of my coworkers right now. So that was a small world oh, moment. Yeah. Now, what age level? Are you talking high school, or were you middle school, or both? I have been middle school in all of my practicums thus far, so I'm really hoping to get some high school experience soon. Okay. But that was middle school. And then, so then the second semester of my practicum focused on classroom management, which as a as a littles teacher, you know how important that can be. <laughs> Very. Teaching them how to 
blow their nose or, or <laughs> where to sit when they first enter the classroom and all of those little little tiny things that most people don't even think about but are really important to having sure. a good flow in your classroom. That was fun. And, and of course, you build on the previous lessons. So I was also doing lesson planning during that semester. And I had a really interesting experience that semester. We were doing a civil rights research project, um, the civil rights movement in our English class. And one of the activities the teacher did was she posted a lot of images during that time period. And those can be very graphic sometimes. So uh, unfortunately, my mentor teacher got sick. So I was stuck there with a substitute. And the kids were not taking the assignment well. They were making a lot of immature comments. And it was starting to get a little bit out of hand. And so I had to sit them all down afterwards and and have a heart to heart and ask them why they felt the need to make those kinds of comments and they actually answered honestly that you know that's that's kind of hard stuff to deal with at their age and it was right. easier just to add some humor into it so i felt like that was a good moment for me yeah it sounds like it just to address it head on and not be you know punitive about it necessarily but just really get them to reflect on okay where is this coming from and and uh, maybe reframing for them how to look at those situations and how to respond to them in a way that's more respectful maybe yes that was exactly what we were trying to do and so then that leads us to my current semester right before student teaching and uh, so this is the last one where you combine everything you've learned so far and then you apply it specifically to your content area and so so are you currently um, at this point in the semester in a classroom five days a week and how much time or what, what does that look like right now for you? I am not currently. Um, so the way it usually works is you do a little bit of a, like a lecture for the first month or so of the semester and then you get into the classroom because they have to have time to set up their the networking with the teachers you're going to be working with in the school districts. So then... I will get my placement sometime in September this month. It's September already, wow. Right. <laughs> and so soon. <laughs> yes, and then in October I'll be in the classroom for about a month and a half, about two to three hours a day. All together it'll end up being about 50 or 60 hours. Okay. So that, but this you think will be a middle school assignment again or maybe high school? You could um, I don't know. You don't have a lot of say. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, since I am both middle school and high school, I think they're going to try to get me into high school, but eh, I'll just have to take the hand I'm dealt with. Right. So just piggybacking back to your dream job, I guess I didn't really have you specify what grade level. Are you leaning more towards thinking you want to teach middle school or high school? And I know you would take, you would take a job possibly even if it's not that that age group that would be your ideal. What are you thinking about that? Yeah, and so I never thought when I went into this that I would want to teach middle school. I thought, oh no, they're too young. I remember vaguely being in middle school and we were <laughs> all just so hard to deal with. Those hormones going through your body and you trying to figure out what's happening. Um, and so I was like, no, high school for me. But I haven't had a chance to do high school yet and I've actually enjoyed my time with the middle schoolers they're very, they still have a certain type of innocence and desire to learn. 
that I really appreciate. And so I would not mind middle school. I do think I would still prefer high school because you can teach more higher level concepts and that kind of, I like to be stimulated in that way intellectually. So. Right, right. Yeah, I I also had an experience during my teaching career of teaching middle school, and I, like you, was apprehensive about that age group, but it was a situation early in my teaching career where I had quit a teaching job. Not, I mean, I finished the contract year and everything, but I decided not to, to stay at that school the following year, so I literally had to get a job, and the first job that I interviewed for and was offered happened to be a middle school special ed job and I was I took it because I needed a job but I was very concerned about those middle schoolers they have such a stigma but I I am with you on it there is something about middle schoolers that is pretty great I mean it it really is this age where I their thinking skills have developed enough that you can you can delve into some of those topics that are a little deeper and they have this eagerness and yes, they have that immature side for sure, but they are a pretty great group of kids. So I no longer diss the middle schoolers after that experience. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Yep. Okay. So a little bit more, you've talked a little bit about um, your practicum experiences in the teacher training program. So can you talk a little bit about your classes and the instruction you're receiving and now that you've actually been in classrooms and you have a better sense of what that's going to entail when you are in fact the teacher how how do you feel that that your program is preparing you for being on your own i think that i mean this is the only program of education that i've experienced so i don't have anything else to compare it to except for the stories of people not getting into the classroom soon enough. But I really think that UNO is doing a very good job um, because when you're in the classroom every semester, you you can ask questions to your instructor that are related to your direct experiences. And so it just really lends itself to building on the, the textbook stuff that you might be learning as well. And so you can easily make those connections in real life. So I think that's really cool. It's really helpful to get the cogs working in the brain. But I also really like, and I don't know how other schools do this, but UNO really focuses, all of my instructors have really focused on trying to teach you how to be a teacher for a a modern classroom. And so doing things like being uh, culturally responsive and proactive in your teaching with your diverse students. And um, I, you were specifically special education in your endorsement, but a lot, of, a lot of people aren't. And not a lot of schools give you any kind of background in, in special education if you don't have that. But UNO does have you take a class or two to give you an idea of how to be inclusive to those students as well in your classroom. That's great. So it does sound like you're getting kind of the full gamut of knowledge, information, and experiences, and that reflection piece after that direct experience that's going to give you a pretty well-rounded sense of the types and wide variety of students and student needs that you're going to encounter. So that sounds really, really great. I took a couple classes at UNO when I needed to get certification in Nebraska coming from 
an Iowa teaching certificate. Mm-hmm. And I was incredibly, I was incredibly impressed. I loved those classes. If someone would pay me full time to be a student, I totally would do that because I love the stimulation of that, of that college university setting. Couldn't agree with you more. Yep. Um, so you've kind of talked a little bit about a challenging student you had worked with. Um, I wanted to ask you, I guess the way that I phrased it when we kind of talked about this prior to this interview was, have you had any surprises or aha moments as you've been in the classroom? And if so, can you describe those? Just anything that kind of surprised you or stood out to you or really maybe just maybe hit you at a heart level? I guess any of those things. Um... Do you mean like, cause like to me an aha moment is like when I'm like, oh, that's what that means. Or, or cause, but then when you say hits you in the heart, um, do you mean like makes it more personal for me or? Yeah, just anything. I, I, maybe it was kind of probably non-specific the way that I phrased the question, but I guess where I'm kind of going with this question is coming from prior to being in your teacher ed program, you had only been in a classroom as a student prior to that in your experiences as a student. And so stepping outside of that and being in that teacher role and interacting with students from that vantage point, just anything that stands out to you that maybe maybe was a surprise, maybe that you connected with just resonated with you. I know that's super open-ended. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely, you know, when you're in the opposite role, you definitely have a little bit more empathy for teachers and, and what they had to go through to to teach you, especially back in high school, kids. A lot more goes into good teaching than I ever thought it does. It's a lot of work, and, you know, I, I, I mean, obviously I knew I would have to, like, write lesson plans and, and take care of kids, but I never realized how in-depth it all had to be or just the vast amount of knowledge teachers have to have in our world today you have to be able to address kids of different cultures and you have to be able to um be inclusive um for i forget forget the term for it but with special education students um the least restrictive environment for them and you have to use technology in the classroom i mean i'm i I'm young, but I feel like an old fart because I don't, I don't work very well with technology. So all of that is like giving me so much respect for the teachers I had and then my future colleagues. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a really great point that you make because I think quite often, I think sometimes, well, maybe a lot of the time, honestly, that public education gets kind of dissed in our national media in certain ways. I'm not saying that there's not celebrations of it too, but I really wish that everyone could step into a classroom and kind of see just the vastness that that, 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 that role entails with classroom management, planning good lessons, you know, dealing with diversity from student abilities and students' backgrounds and all of that it's 
it's the most challenging and the most rewarding career I think anyone could have. And I have so much respect for teachers and so much pride in my profession. So that's a really good point. And I think people don't really get that until they are stepping into the classroom and seeing it for themselves. So this is another big question, but you knew I was going to ask it, so I can't wait to hear what your thoughts on this. What do you feel are some of the biggest challenges in public education today? That's kind of a good segue to that question. Biggest challenges in public education? Uh, well, there's a lot, so it's hard to pinpoint exactly which one's the biggest. But, right. um, well, I... Obviously, there's the um, there's the well discussed and often heated conversation about standardized tests, mm-hmm. and I I definitely think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have in our education system today. Uh, I I don't think it's effective, um, as I'm sure a lot of people can agree, and right. it's it's punitive to teachers and schools if they don't achieve a certain level of mastery in those standardized tests. So that's something that bothers me. And I really hope that I can try to work around that in in my own classroom because, you know, literature and, and writing, it's not it's not math, you know. It's you, you don't get the same level of mastery by just being able to memorize facts about a book and then and then talk about them on a test. It's not the same kind of experience. Um, but then I think the biggest challenge is going to be working with different and diverse students. Um, so, and that, that challenge comes with working around your curriculum. You know, what books does your school require you to teach or what do they not allow you to teach? Um, if I have a class where half of the students aren't, aren't white, then why am I teaching Great Expectations by Charles Dickens? You know, why shouldn't I be teaching a um, a novel written by somebody that represents their culture or something? And so, right, trying to be proactive in that way and and making them feel as if they're not just learning something about some old guy written years ago, but but actually reading something from somebody that they can connect to will engage them in the material and make them care more about their education. So that's something I'm going to have a hard time with. Do you feel like, because I have never, other than that middle school teaching experience, and that was in special education, do you feel like, so I haven't had the secondary teaching experience, do you feel that schools do allow some flexibility with that, or is it pretty laid out, like this is what, these are the novels you're teaching, no no bending on that? I'm not entirely sure. I definitely know that I need to get more. I need to talk to more people in the field to to mm-hmm. get an idea. I think it's going to depend on the school district. Um, you know, schools spend money on certain textbooks that have these stories in them, and if you're not using those textbooks with those stories, then your district might be like, "Well, you're kind of wasting our money here." So we really want you to teach these things, and so you have to be able to work around the administration and work within the system to still accomplish your goals. Uh, for example, I know that some schools still ban Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury, which is ironic considering the book is about people that burn books <laughs> but um and and that's an old book written by by a white guy too so it i if if they can ban things like that i don't know i don't think censorship should be allowed in in schools i think 
I think as long as the teacher can justify teaching a certain novel, um, so within their lesson plans and their planning to their administration, they can they can say, well, this novel teaches the same elements that this other novel does. You know, you still can understand the time period behind when it was written in because all of literature is connected to history and we still understand all of these things like metaphors and stuff. So that's all you need is to justify yourself, I guess. Yeah, I think that's so true. I, I feel like if you have some standards that you are required to try to help students gain mastery of, but you can justify how this novel will be more relevant to them and you, you are still able to address those standards, to me, it, that seems that seems like a good argument. So... Yes, you are definitely right that there are many challenges in public education, but there's so much great stuff going on as well, which leads me to kind of my next question that I wanted to ask is, what are you most looking forward to and what are you most dreading about student teaching? And I'm also going to throw in there, I'm going to tack on to this and say student teaching and your first year as a new teacher. So kind of look at it that way too. Sure, because they definitely flow together. Um, yep. And boy, that's that's hard. Because uh, I won't lie to you, I'm really nervous about my student teaching and my first year of teaching. That first year, especially when you get complete control of your own classroom and you get to design the layout and do all your lesson plans and you're like just trying to keep your head above water while you tread water. Um, but that nervousness comes from an excitement because I want to do well. I want to make an impact in my students' lives. You know, I want to be the kind of teacher that they can they can come to if they need help with something. So that's uh, one of the things I'm most looking forward to is is actually getting to know students because now in my practicum experiences, I'm in there for maybe a month and a half you know, 50, 60 hours tops. And I feel like just as I'm starting to get to know my students and connect with them, I have to leave. And I realize that, I mean, your students are always going to leave you, but at least if you have an entire semester or an entire year, you have more time to get to know them and make an impact on their lives. So I really look forward to that. Yeah, that's, that is, I think, one of the most amazing gifts about being a teacher but it's this really bittersweet thing because I I love that that ability to create a sense of community and connection with this group of little people over the course of nine months but you do that as you say knowing that they are going to leave and they're going to go on to the next thing and that that's what you want but yet there's this sadness to that too because of what you've created together and so I am the teacher that actually gets sad and teary and emotional towards those last couple of days of school because it you know it's a leaving it's it's um but it's it comes from this great place of what you've built together so so it's great and sad at the same time <laughs> I know what you're talking about yeah my first practicum the last day we all had food and we took pictures and, and they all gave me hugs and they right. wrote like notes to me and I held it together until I got to my car, but then I was a little sad. I was, I was oh, really sad. Oh, for sure. So. Yeah, for sure. But it, I think that just speaks to the impact though, 
like you talked about, the impact that you can make on students as a teacher who truly and genuinely and sincerely cares for them, an adult that does not have to do that, but that is choosing to show up every day and be this consistent, caring person with with high expectations, but this this um, back layer of compassion and caring, that's that's huge. And especially for some of those kids like you've talked about that come from situations where they may not have a lot of those adults. You may be that adult for them. And that is just amazing. Yeah, they see you, you know, eight hours a day. Well, especially in your situation, eight hours a day. And that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great profession, the, the best. Well, we probably better wrap this up, but this just tells me that we are going to have to have a future podcast interview to talk more about some of the things that we have we have brought up. So I usually like to end my interviews by asking two questions since I called it the Love to Learn podcast. I really like to embrace and acknowledge that the learning piece and how we are all lifelong learners. So tell us about something new that you've learned recently. It does not have to be related to teaching. It could be anything. Um, well, actually, this is related to teaching just because my life is teaching right now. Um, <laughs> right. Totally fine. Yeah. Right. Well, um, in my, I'm taking a class all about technology in the classroom, and we have to have a blog, a blog that we use for that class, and that's the first time for me. So, I mean, A, I learned how to use a blog, but also one of the assignments was all about um, the rise of plagiarism in, in, in classrooms nowadays, and just doing all my reading and research, I actually had a complete shift in mindset from from what I've learned in my past. And so I'm less concerned with teaching kids how to not get caught and more. That's an entirely different subject. It's really complicated, but. Yeah, that sounds pretty interesting, actually. Yeah. Third, third podcast interview with Nate Steele. There we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, and then what was the other question? Oh, so then the next, I guess I didn't, I didn't actually phrase that question yet. I'm sorry. So something new you've learned and then follow up would be, what is something you would like to learn that interests you? It could be a skill, it could be information, totally wide open. Hmm. That is a tricky question. Well, for example, I, and you you would totally relate to this, but you've already got this one nailed, I will say. I would love to learn how to sing better. If I had time to take vocal lessons, I would just love to be able to do that. On my bucket list is auditioning for a musical because I've only done straight theater. I'm super scared to do musicals, but I feel like with a little bit of instruction, I could push myself to the point where I would have the confidence to do that. So that would be an example for me. Okay, I can respect that. And I definitely think that you could do it if you just, if you tried. I, I believe in you. But, oh, uh, thank you. yeah, uh, well, that actually uh, sparked uh, an interest in my mind. Um, yeah, I can, I can sing, but I would really like to learn how to play an instrument, like the piano or the guitar. Um, so Yeah, perfect example. That would be really cool. So I just, I just love... In, you know, thinking about at whatever age you're at, what are, wherever you are at in life, that you can always learn something new because there's just an unlimited amount of 
things that you can learn about. And so I love that. Well, Nate, we are going to wrap this up by me thanking you so, so very much for taking time on Labor Day. We are recording this on Labor Day and um, taking the time out of your vacation day to speak with me. I am excited to have this podcast go live and I look forward to hearing about your semester of student teaching and the next steps on your journey to be a teacher. So I will definitely want to have you back at some point on the Love to Learn podcast. Thank you so much. I would love to come back and I'll just do a plug for, I'll, I'll put you in my Twitter so I can get your networking out there. Yep. I will. I'll send you a link once it goes live and you can share away. So thank you so much, Nate. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thanks, Laura. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Love to Learn podcast. I would love to connect with you elsewhere, so you can find me at my website, which is lauralovestolearn.com, on Facebook at Laura Loves to Learn, on Instagram at Laura Loves to Learn, and my Twitter handle is LearnLaura. Thanks again for listening, and remember, every day is a great day to learn something new. Thank you.